to discussing Trek, a Star Trek Discovery podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than my brother, the tech historian himself, Kerry Brown. How you doing, man? I'm in. Pretty good. Good to be back. Yeah, man. How's life been treating you these days? Uh, not bad at all. Just on, you know, just, I don't know. Not, <laughs> I haven't been doing much. Just uh, been slacking on the maker department. So hey. the creator department, I guess I should say. So got to get your groove back, man. Come on now. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> also, we have the who story in Cal Jones. How you doing, dude? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Glad uh Carrie, I'm glad you're back and glad to be back talking Star Trek. So, yeah, having fun. Awesome. 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 Guys, what we do here on this podcast is review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in somewhat excessive detail, in addition to talking all things Trek. But today, today we're going to be reviewing Star Trek Enterprise Broken Bow 1 and 2. So that's what we're going to kind of be going over today. But we have news as well because Star Trek Las Vegas happened this week, this past week. But before we get into that, I just want to say, guys, if you like this show and you want to follow this show and support it, please check out our Patreon page, which can be found at patreon.com slash discussing Trek. If you don't want to give anything, fine, but just go there and follow us there. You get different tidbits, time released exclusives and things like that. So yeah, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash discussing Trek. So fellas, fellas, have you been keeping up with the news that has been coming out of Las Vegas? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hard to miss that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's everywhere. So a few weeks back, we got wind of first Sir Patrick Stewart talking about he had to go catch up on some of his discovery watching or uh star trek watching uh to get caught up and you know rumors kind of floated around at that point that hmm will he be coming back for a series will he be coming to discovery what the heck is going on so i guess we learned at the uh las vegas star trek convention that sir patrick stewart john luke uh picard will be coming back to star trek how do we feel about this news, guys? I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome, awesome. Absolutely awesome. Huh. So it's been almost 20 years since the last movie. I think the last movie was in 02. Um, and we had, well, I think it was Nemesis. Nemesis was the last movie he was in. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, uh, he's back and he's going to be in a Kurtzman led Star Trek series. Thoughts? Uh, the, the, go ahead. I just want to see him fight his clone again. <laughs> um, I mean, I've got, I mean, you know, I've got some thoughts, but the, the first and foremost would be, I want to know is, you know, they haven't said what name it is. You know, is, is this going to, it's not obviously going to be the next generation because that kind of has been there, done that. So I'm curious to see what the name is, but hearing him talk about it and talk about, changes that might happen to the character uh, clarence we've said several times with our co-host on discussing who talking about how we are older now going back and watching these episodes you know years after we'd watched them the first time i kind of got that same feeling but yet from a character perspective just hearing him talk is that this may not be 
the John Luke that everyone remembers, which, of course, he wouldn't be if he's 20 years older. Yeah. And I think maybe the biggest thing he he stressed the point that it is not going to be TNG. You know, it's going to be quite different. You know, he might not even be on a starship for that matter. You know, so you have to think where does uh, Jean-Luc Picard end up uh, post captain, you know, and what type of adventures <laughs> uh, that entails, if any. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do. Um, I'm, I'm it as long as it kind of hold true. And he iterated this as well, that they're going to hold true to the spirit of, you know, um, the next generation, which I think the biggest thing for me. I think it's going to invite a lot of opportunities to see people from various series return, you know, mm. uh, interesting, you know, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, as long as we don't get cry to the old Skywalker, I'll be okay. <laughs> well, we probably get a bit of that. Yeah. Don't, don't want them to pull a Luke. Uh, uh, huh, I got off my Island, you know, uh, type of vibe, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it lends itself to seeing, you know, people like Worf, people like Data, you know, it, people from different series, even maybe a Janeway, you know, other people popping into, you know, his universe um, and, and you know, interacting and, you know, cameos galore. I think it's a perfect opportunity for that. Now, is that what we're going to get? Who knows? Who knows? But I think the opportunity is there. And quite frankly, every Star Trek actor in the past, but. 30 years should be excited because it presents itself as an opportunity for them to possibly show up, show up. So can I make a uh, prediction or a, what I think a might happen? Sure. Go for it. All right. So here, here's my speculation here. My speculation is going to be, it will start off and this is going to be fans loving it and fans hating it just the way they were with the first season of discovery. It's going to start off with a very, broken Jean-Luc because of whatever has happened in the past 20 years. And this first season will be about him coming back and reclaiming himself more of a, of a discovery of himself per se, Hmm. a rediscovery of himself. Possibly, but he he did talk about the optimism that people used to get from watching TNG. So maybe it's going to be the hopeful of the two series, um, that 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 Kurtzman is helming, you know, maybe it lends itself to being a little more hopeful and a little more uh, warm and fuzzies after the episode like we you get with other series. All right. So if you don't mind, let me let me add one thing to that. I agree with you, but perhaps the hopeful is to show people that no matter how life may treat you and no matter what may happen to you, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can see that happening. So, so I guess my big question about all this would be, <clears throat> so is it going to be set 20 years after TNG or is it like, cause he doesn't look that much older. <laughs> he looks older, man. He looks older. <laughs> he looks about to say, dude, go back and watch some TNG, TNG episodes, which I've recently been doing. He looks way younger. He just doesn't have hair. <laughs> oh, great. Well, well, to that end, I guess my big question is, is he going to like, let me see how phrase this. Is is this gonna be kind of like a after? What was the latest series? Voyager was that the latest chronologically? Yes, that's correct. So is it, I'm assuming this is gonna be like after Voyager and they're all home and everything. And is he gonna like? 
I mean, it, is it going to be like a thing where he's like, um, he's old and he's retired and they need to get the band back together again to go on a mission or something? Or is is he going to be like you said, I, 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 it's hard for me to imagine him not having a ship. Like, yeah. I guess that's my big thing. Yeah. I mean, he made note that, you know, as in real time, it's been almost 20 years since the last movie. You know, that's going to be his character, his age now, you know, so um, it will presumably be post Voyager and all these other series. And, and you know, I, I hope it's not to get the band back together thing, but, you know, I hope it lends itself to the band showing up every now and then, you know? Yeah, I guess. We'll see what they do. Who knows? Yeah, I'm just really interested to see what direction they take it because there's so many things like just running through my head. All the possibilities of what they get, how they could, you know, set the series up is just be be fun to, you know, just it's just fun to imagine. But it'll be even more fun to see what they come up with. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, in addition to uh, a host of other panels and Star Trek alum coming into Las Vegas to host different panels and things like that. So it was a lot of not I'm gonna say news, but a lot of things happened at at, uh, at the convention. But one thing I want to note before we move on is the fact that Voyager, I miss Voyager, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery is coming to Blu-ray and DVD on November 13th, uh, which, you know, I kind of said early on that they wouldn't do this because it's kind of their gateway into getting people to sign up for CBS All Access. And if you kind of crunch the numbers, I went on Amazon, you could pre-order it right now. It's actually 50 bucks, $50.99. So you take that versus paying, what, 10 to $12 a month, it kind of equals out to about the same because the show ran what about about five months maybe half a year but you know with the added thing of that you're gonna have to wait (laughs) it's almost a year later till they're releasing the dvds or the blu-rays and um you know people might still buy this in spite of (laughs) so it's like double dipping in a sense i think initially you might have been right but the way i see it is you know, if most people are like me, they they unsubscribed to yeah. CBS access as soon as the series was over. So they were like, okay, we might as well just put it on the Blu-ray. Yeah, you got to make that money any way you can. And the other thing you got to think about is that a lot of people that watched it streaming are probably also going to buy the Blu-ray. So, you know, you have them yeah. double dipping, too. So, that'll probably so, be me. <laughs> so that 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 is an interesting question. I want to ask you guys: How often do you guys buy Blu-ray DVDs of whatever you're watching, a series or whatever? I generally don't buy TV series. Yeah, generally. What's well, the funny Thanks, thing? Flicks. Yeah, I already got all these episodes to be honest, but yeah. but um, I don't know if it was a thing where you can like get it permanently digital and buy the DVD or the Blu-ray because the last Blu-ray I bought was like a, a kid's movie that my kids used to watch and I just bought it because I wanted to watch it again. But as soon as I got it in the mail, uh, well, as soon as I bought it, they gave me a code to put it in uh, TV Anywhere, whatever it's called, uh, Movies Anywhere. And like as soon as I got the DVD, I gave it to somebody else. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't really want the medium, but I want to be able to watch it whenever I want to watch it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Well, one time it's funny, type of thing. It's funny you say that, Clarence, because you do you know that Xbox just joined the movies anywhere? 
Yeah, thing. I heard that. So now yeah. if you buy buy the TV, well, I don't know if they do TV series like that, but with movies, you buy the movie, you know, you can just put it on your Xbox. So that's cool. Which is freaking cool because like with TV anywhere, um, I can, you can watch it on YouTube as well because Google Play Store. So I, nice. watch, I watch movies in the YouTube app that I bought different places. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really weird, but cool that they're doing. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not going to – if you buy – I mean, it really makes a lot of sense because if you buy something on Google Play, you're not going to buy it on iTunes, too. So, I mean, they might as well co- co- collaborate and make the customer happy. Yeah. And See, it's weird you guys said that because the, the last the, – okay, well, not weird, but, but it kind of goes along to what I was thinking because the last DVD Blu-ray I bought was 2010, which was a Doctor Who, The End of Time. But my brother – he will buy every single thing of like Game of Thrones. He has every single season <laughs> of of Game of Thrones and he will not go out and, you know, I've said, get it digitally. You can get it cheaper, but, he, but no, he wants the DVD. He yeah. doesn't trust the, well, what if the internet goes down or what if my hard drive goes down? At least I've got the DVD, but I could say the thing, same thing. Well, what if somebody cracks the DVD? Then you're what, screwed. What if you can't find a DVD player? In exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, I want to run off some of the special features that are actually on the DVD or slash Blu-ray. And most of these things I think you can find on YouTube. You know, they have like a, a, they're talking about the theme. They're talking about the 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 design, uh, the bridge and, and just different stuff. I know I've seen most of this stuff on YouTube already. So, like, what are you really getting? And hopefully all of this stuff will still be available on uh, CBS All Access first and foremost, you know, so. I don't know. You, you gotta, you gotta, uh, get it out there where you can because I know very early on I heard many people saying that I will not subscribe to CBS All Access. So, <laughs> so you're appeasing the masses in a sense by getting this out where, uh, you know, people who otherwise wouldn't be watching it can, can get a chance to experience the greatness. All right. All right, guys. Well, um, uh, I guess. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into the review of uh, Broken Bow 1 and 2? Mm, let's do it. Let's go for it. All right, man. Here we go. Here we go. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. So the first thing I want to talk about um, of course, Enterprise, uh, the latest series, um, other than, you know, of course, a discovery, uh, for Star Trek and the first one in high definition, which I loved at the time <laughs> to finally get it in HD widescreen format. So Enterprise takes place a hundred years before TOS and 90 years before discovery. You know, it just felt weird going back to watch this, knowing that we just got another prequel. And it's just, you know, it feels kind of weird. But I don't know. Seems like with this one, I immediately connected with it because it takes place in the 22nd century. So it felt like now, you know, it felt close to where we are uh today. Except for the laser shotgun. Yeah, except for the laser <laughs> yeah. shotgun, yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of awesome. Uh <laughs> So, guys, just um, off the top, just initial thoughts on Enterprise Broken Bow uh, 1 and 2. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Take it, Carrie, please. Well, I mean, I was kind of 
you know, I was kind of engaged until the whole soft core porn thing, like toward the, <laughs> toward, I guess it was about two thirds through the episode. It just turned yeah. into like sleaze. And then I was like, yeah. I remember why I stopped watching this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was a bit much. And I think even our friend Dave Cooper from the Cult of Collective mentioned that in something <laughs> he was talking about before. Yeah. It, he was just completely out of place. Like, and they're talking about the most boring junk and they're oiling each other up. Like that was, oh, man, it just kind of took me out of it. Dude, I ate this episode up, man. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. She's hot, but it just <laughs> seemed weird, to, weird in Star Trek. Agreed. It made me like Google that actor to see what she like really looks like. <laughs> which, which is funny because they talk about, you know, discovery being risque, you know? <laughs> oh no, not like that. Yeah. No, I, and, I was thinking the same thing. And that was on UPN on normal <laughs> TV. Yeah. Dang, it was on UPN? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, that's like, that was a TV show purgatory. Jesus, no wonder they had that in there. They had the, some people reason. Okay, I'm done. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm talking about, about it. Uh, all right, so here's the thing. It was just weird. Um, for me, it was like, okay, I started watching it. I mean, you know, the first five minutes or so, I was like, okay, this, you know, I remember this because I, I watched this. I mean, I watched it. I got the DVDs back in the days of Netflix DVDs. I, you know, so I've seen it. I've watched it. But I got bored halfway through it. And right wow. after about the scene, uh, Carrie, you were talking about, it was like, okay, a trip irritated me and what? yes he irritated <laughs> it's me. a southern charm on the show what are you talking oh, about so i mean really i just kind of got like okay now i see why you got canceled after four seasons oh my god where's jonathan when i need him good lord people <sighs> and i will say this i did and maybe this is what was wrong with me i did watch the opening and hated every freaking second dude, of it with that stupid song dude <laughs> Dude, come on, let's be honest. Okay, dial back our hate for that song. But I have to agree with Jonathan. That opening is freaking fantastic. And Oh, and, the opening's beautiful. Don't and, get me and wrong. Even the, even the song coupled with the opening. Reason reason being, and I know we've had this debate many, many times, but it brings that hopefulness and it bridges the gap from today to Star Trek. I mean, I just feel like it do- does that in spades, and the song is a connective tissue. Now, does the song wear on you after a little while? Yeah. About 20 episodes in, I'll be like, you know, piss off song. 20 episodes? I was thinking like 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, God. It wasn't that bad, man. Yes, it Okay, if there, I will give it this. If you want to say that Star Trek creates a better world, a more happy feeling, a kumbaya type existence, then that freaking song made you want to sing and like get your candles out and, you know, get incense or whatever the freak you want to do. Okay. But anyway, it, uh, wait, a, wait one second. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So I just Googled this lady, Jolene Blaylock, right? So is she supposed to be like black faced in this series or something? Like she doesn't look anything like that in real life. Like she just Vulcan. She's probably got a tan. She's Vulcan, dude. Come on. She's dark skinned. She is not dark right? on the show. She's not. She's not. Dude, look look at the pictures of her and look at her on that show. Like <sighs> she must have spent eight hours in a tanning bed or something. If they didn't paint her face. They could have. I just thought she had a tan, to be honest. But but if you look at any other Vulcans, they have heavy makeup. So that could be it. 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, look at you, any of the other Vulcans. They have heavy makeup. You know what? Just looking at a picture carry side by side uh, with her and, you know, the, the normal, I'm thinking that they put makeup on her that so mirrored the complexion of her face. And then they put the wig on there that also did the same thing that that created maybe an illusion of. Yeah, it's a little more ethnic. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. if I look at her skin tone, the skin tone looks about the same, but I think it's all that, you know, the brown makeup, the brown eyeshadow, the brown lipstick uh, and all that. I guess it's just, it, it kind of threw me seeing this picture of her and like, she's like super, 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 super fair skin. At least in the picture I saw. I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good point. So, uh, man, you guys are killing me already. We just got in this review. <laughs> So let's talk about a little bit about Archer and his father and the Vulcans. So we know that Archer's father, and I forget his name, worked on the warp engines and he wanted to see his engines fly. And the, the Enterprise, um, NX01 is the first warp five capable ship. What do we think about the whole thing of the Vulcans trying to hold us back? It just makes me not like Vulcans. Which I guess they were setting out to do that with the way the um, female lead is acting. So I guess it kind of plays into that. She's all smug the whole episode. <laughs> oh, you say smug, I say a hole. Man, she was... played with toys more fast than this spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm like, are you the most a hole pompous? Oh, that she just. She played the role well, but I, I kind of think that's what it was meant to do. Cause by the end, they try to do a reversal, you know, kind of, um, come to the light or see my way by the end of the episode. So maybe that's, they, they put it a little bit on too thick at the beginning. And, you know, from the whole storyline, they were trying to make us hate the Vulcans. Obviously they're holding yeah. us back for a hundred <laughs> years. You know, we could have been going, you know, far out to deep space, but no, um, you guys are holding back just enough to to keep us from you know, our ambitions. And, you know, I see that as the same way. If you want to fast forward, that's almost exactly what Starfleet does to everybody else. Well, there's the been, biological imperative or something. What is it well, called? Well, the prime director. <laughs> prime director. I knew it was something like something jargony like that. <laughs> but but there have been many, many episodes where they could have potentially helped somebody. And the struggle is whether we help them or not, or we stand true to this standard that we have to not lend technology and things to a certain group, you know, so. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but in, in a certain way, it even makes the Vulcans look even worse because they're not like we're trying to preserve the sanctity of the universe. They're just like, you guys are idiots. We're not giving you our technology. I mean, that's that that just kind of puts a bow on that whole thing. Yeah. Mm. See, I can't believe this. I really, really can't believe this, but I'm I'm going to disagree uh, totally. I didn't find her as being pompous or being an a-hole or anything like that. I actually, she's one of the best characters that I, I mean, she's one of the most enjoyable characters on there that I watched. <laughs> really? Yes. I mean, I totally loved her, especially, okay, uh, when you want to say that, uh, you know, she's like an a-hole, you've got the uh, kid with the mother in one scene that is trying to wean off of whatever, you know, gas that he can or can't, um, you know, 
process and then you've got trip going oh well you know this mother needs help and do something do something and she comes up and says you know that's just yeah. uh, another example of you assuming that you know what's going on so i saw trip actually as the one being in the pompous a-hole in not that her. moment yeah in that moment you're, you're right but i don't know i think it's almost like a level of decorum is that the word i'm looking for where you know, she had that he didn't. Th- well, well, well they're, they're they're logical to a. I'm not gonna say to a fault. They're very logical and they lack any. Of course, they're Vulcan, but they lack any type of decorum slash emotion about. They're blunt. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. They're just blunt about everything. And to me, some of the greatest moments when Archer like calls them out on being a hoes. You know, <laughs> Archer like puts them in a place in their place a couple of times, and those are just like fantastic moments. And, you know, they, they're, of course, highly logical, but they don't hold anything back. They're just going to be blunt and emotionless about, you know, anything that they, they tell the humans here. Now, now I will give this, uh, you know, let's say that you, the three of us, you know, me, you and um, Carrie, we all agree on everything. We're logical. We agree on everything. You take yourself out of that equation and put you with people who have different backgrounds and they're not the logical and who don't all agree, that's going to put you in a different context, which may make you see things differently. So I'm not saying the Vulcans as a race were not logical, and but I just didn't see T'Pol as being, you know, because she did ultimately kind of change her opinion of them so i mean i do agree that her opinion changed i just didn't see her as being you know that uh strict or that whatever at the beginning Hmm. i have a question so are the vulcan are they like i'm just I, i guess watching this and hearing about how so far ahead they were then you know earth at the time i guess that they made first contact or whatever like what stopped them seeing how in illogical and how um emotional or whatever you want to call it human earthlings were what stopped them from just torching a planet and moving on like why did why did they decide to like partner with earth well they're they're highly peaceful first of all and part of their mission is to seek out you know other well you have to go back and watch Star Trek. Is it not Generations? First Contact to get like the story of Zephyr Cochran and, you know, the first contact experience of how Earth found, first met the Vulcans. But I mean, I don't know. I think uh, if you if you're talking about them coming in and helping them or you saying why they didn't wipe, they didn't wipe them out. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm just confused because the way they talk about humans in this episode, I mean, Earthlings is just like they just detest them. Well, but for some reason, they ended up like partnering and even joining Starfleet at some well, point. We, well, I guess they never really joined Starfleet. But yeah, well, you got to think first off, they're peaceful. And second off, they um, they're the polar opposites of what we are. You know what I'm saying? So if I went to a planet and. <laughs> Everybody was doing something that I just thought was totally weird. Whatever it be is, you could probably name a thousand things. And that's just their real life. You know, Vulcans lack emotion, but you have this race as, which I think Vulcans are the outliers because most other races have, uh, emotions. But, you know, you have this race that's polar opposite of what you are. Everything they do is predicated off emotion. And if you dive back a little bit into the Vulcan past, like, <clears throat> 
they used to be very primal and very, they used to be a lot like the humans and said they learned to tame their emotions and become a more evolved oh. species. So maybe, okay. so maybe part of that is, and even to Paul mentions it when she's at the table with Archer. So maybe part of their, uh, you know, dismay with the human race is that, you know, we've been there, but we've learned how to advance above that, you know, and, and, and become a more civilized species. Mm, okay. Good point. We got to talk about it. What do we think about the Klingons? How do we, how do we, how do we solve this? How are we going to make this work? Discovery people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> oh, <oof, ma. laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you guys. Did they, ch- okay. So I'm watching it on, uh, you know, with closed captioning on, did they change the name of Kronos? to Quanos or whatever and you know has the spelling changed because it was spelling it c-r-o-n-o-s on you know closed captioning as i was watching it but with discovery the, it, it was spelled q-u hyphen u-n-o-s or something like that yeah maybe it's evolved over the years um i have no idea to be honest i have no so, idea this is before discovery right Yes, this is yes. this is ninety approximately ninety years before the events of Discovery. Ninety, yeah, because it takes a so, it's a hundred years before TOS and Discovery is ten years before TOS. Okay, so now I understand what you're saying about the Klingons. Like, yeah, they don't look; they look like people. <laughs> people were ridges. No mention of Collis. Just um, yeah, yeah. That's a little jarring now that you. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is one of the big, uh, you know, timeline discrepancies that people have pointed out. You know, maybe even if this never occurred, like maybe even with Discovery, you can kind of explain going forward how they changed. But this one is going to be hard. So we'll see what they do on that front. But but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I want to ask you guys, what do you think about the character introductions? Because I think this episode was one of the best examples of good character introduction that I've seen in a Star Trek series. You know, we went through all the characters. There was never a moment where they just said, Oh, this is uh, Lieutenant Mayweather from the freaking frigate, you know, space boomer. And, but they kind of worked all that into the normal conversation and it kind of gave you the, um, it gave you context of who the characters were. Other than just, you know, flat out saying, you know, what they are, you know, did, did yeah, that- I, I did like how, you know, at the beginning of the episode where he's like, give me three days and I'll get my crew together and all this other stuff like yeah. that part that you're talking about where they kind of brought like, that part was pretty cool. I will give you that. Like it was it was cool the way they introduced the characters. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the fact like take uh the person that's doing the what was the name Tashi that's doing the translation. It wasn't that her name Tash or well, regardless of her name, she's the uh, one that Sato. Uh, ah, okay. Yeah. So she um, basically didn't want to come. I mean, so this was yeah. you know not him saying okay, this is going to be my science officer and the doctor. He basically just says okay, I'm kind of liked what he was doing and I'm going to, Hey, you come here. So it wasn't like I'm going to get the best and the brightest. Well, I don't know. Uh, Sato was the best. She's pretty much the best uh, translator on earth. So I don't, and, and flocks being a alien doctor, he knew stuff that the humans couldn't even fathom. You know, they said, they said that in an episode. 
Yeah, but but I think what I mean is he's not going to, you know, let me go look up in my database and, you know, this person report to the brig at or bridge at 100 hours or whatever. Mm. It wasn't your it wasn't like it was with the next generation where they stop on their way to pick up some of their crew. Hmm. Yeah. Like I said, he had three days to get everybody together. So I, I don't know. Um, I do like mention of, uh, Hoshisato. Uh, I love how, and you will see a lot of this in the series as it goes on, but you know, they have a very primitive universal translator, you know, it's pretty much crap. <laughs> It's, it's pretty much crap at this point, but it gets better throughout the series. And of course, in the future series, we see where it is by the time we get to, you know, uh, the next generation TOS era. Um, I love the dynamic it provides because it makes the translator like so vital to the show. And, you know, going forward, they do it a lot in this episode, but going forward, there are a lot of instances where like she's like one of the primary characters because they don't know how to talk to these folks, you know? Mm. Okay. So I'm going to make, you know, corny joke time, but I really, whenever I was watching this corny joke aside was thinking, okay, the universal translator is the future version of Siri because it still can't get it right. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. <laughs> All right. What well, else? Go ahead. Oh no, I didn't. I don't really have anything to add. I was just gonna say, like, it's just amazing. It's kind of unrelated. It was amazing how in the last few years, not translating, but just speech recognition in like the last ten years has gotten insanely good. Yeah. It's still not perfect, but yeah. The only I think the only barrier we have right now is like real time, but it's gonna get there. I think we were just about there actually, uh, but we need to be able to put it in our brain so we can just hear it. You know, as they speak. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> Neo. Um, what did you guys think about the Sulaban in this episode? Mm. And maybe even take that a little bit further and say, um, not only the Sulaban, but this whole, uh, temporal war that this future guy has, <laughs> has, has, uh, the temporal cold war that this future guy has kind of, you know, laid on the table. And this is like a reoccurring thing throughout the through Enterprise, uh, though I don't think it turns out to be as big a deal as they try to make it in this episode. Yeah, I, I'm not really a fan of though. They fr- they freak me out. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with Carrie on that. They they did look freaky. And here here's my thing with when you go back and you introduce a prequel, and I know you want to have original characters to keep it interesting because you don't want to rehash everything that you've already seen. But the flip of that is we never saw the Suleban to my knowledge or the Suleban or whatever again after this series. Am I right? Uh, I don't think we did unless I'm just missing something myself. I don't remember. I don't either. So, um, you know, that, that, and, and the look of them, they, you know, eh, you know, interesting, the temporal cold war I thought was, Interesting, but must not have been interesting enough that I don't even remember it. I've remembered what happened in Voyager without, you know, going back and watching it all. I remember a lot of things. I have no idea how their temporal Cold War ended. <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of. Do you think this might? You think it might come up in Discovery at all? Or hmm, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, 
I need to go back and watch Enterprise again because it's been a, a few years. But but I think it I think the whole temporal thing that it you know they brought it up several times throughout the next what four five seasons how many was it but but four I think four yeah it, it kind of fizzled it it yeah it wasn't very good <laughs> uh, but 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 Carrie may be on to something though because that trailer that we saw did mention something about space and time. Yeah, true, but I hope hopefully they'll go to the future and not the past. I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, but you're right, it was they did mention space and time in the last season two trailer. Oh man. Yeah, I know I missed the episode where you guys talked about that trailer. I just want to say it was awesome. I'm so excited about the new season. Yeah, it was pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> um any let's talk about a few of the characters. We have Trip, we have uh Mayweather, we have uh Malcolm Reed, we have uh Archer. Um any favorites or any takeaways you want to give from anybody I mentioned? Uh we have Sato as well. Uh Yoshi Sato. So any any takeaways, any character that kinda jumped out at you as that you kinda latched on to? Well, me personally, I, I, it'll definitely be Archer because, like, I, it's going to sound stupid, but, like, I was a kid, remember, like, right before I go to bed and would see, like, episodes of Quantum Leap. And I just remember how shocked I was when the series came out and he was the lead. So yeah. it's got really nothing to do with the series. I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Scott Bakula fan. I like his stuff, you know, so I, I, I thought I thought it was really cool that he did a Star Trek. It, I mean, especially at the time, it seemed like really, really, really not odd, but it just seemed like it I, it just came kind of came out of nowhere. You know, it would be like if like, I don't know, it'd be like if um at the time it would be like, what's a big TV actor? It'd be like if Will Smith, well, not like Will Smith, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, just yeah, somebody that you yeah. wouldn't expect to be in Star it Trek. Huge. It would yeah. be like if Will Smith was on an episode of Discovery or something, but yeah. like for a whole series. Yeah. And funny thing about him, like he plays that role like it's an old Western movie. Like yeah. the way he talks <laughs> and his cadence, everything. He plays like a freaking cowboy. Oh, man. When he pulled the Vulcan girl thing, I'm horrible. I don't know much about this. But when he pulled her in the room. Yeah. When he pulled her in that room and was like, shut up. And if you can't, you know, if you make yourself useful, stop undermining me. Like, I I thought that was really, really cool. And it kind of plays with what you were saying. Yeah. Okay, so, Carrie, I'm taking it that you did like uh, Quantum Leap, right? Oh, I love that show. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but at the time I loved it. But it, I'm kind of scared to watch it because I went back and watched T-Man a couple of years oh. back. And I was like, this is I want the He-Man that was in my memory. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. All right, all right. So for me on Archer, I did not like Quantum Leap. And what? I but yeah, the guy that likes time shows doesn't like Quantum Leap. Go figure. Yeah, it was like the American you. version of Doctor Who. Exactly. I know. That's why you like it. No, I just remember, I remember for whatever reason, I didn't like it. I mean, I watched and whenever I found out that he was going to be the captain, I was like, okay, I'm not going to like this. But I really liked him in um, in this, you know, in Enterprise. He was actually one of my favorite characters in there. So kudos to him as an actor that I went from not liking his other work that I knew him from and really liked him in this. Hmm. Interesting. So did you have a favorite character, Kyle? Uh, I did like Dr. Flox. I thought he was interesting. Uh, he actually reminded me of a combination of Neelix and the sixth doctor. I mean, the seventh doctor, excuse me. Hmm. So you put them two together is kind of what he reminded me of. 
I didn't really care, as you heard me say, for uh, Trip, but I did like uh, Malcolm. I just liked the 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 all the you all, like, you know, like British accent. That's why you like. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> um, I did. I, I, Mr. Reed did give a cool. Uh, he did have a cool line that I wrote down. He said something, and they were talking about a lock, and he said this should reverse the polarity of any mag mag lock or something like that. Yeah. So when they're trying to separate the pods from the base. The Cinnabon yeah. base. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that was cool. Yeah. I on Flocks, I do like how his medicine was a mixture of like high end known science and old school kinda as well. So I thought that was cool. I don't know, I kinda gravitate to Mayweather, uh, maybe for obvious reasons. <laughs> 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 to be totally cliche here. Mm. No, I, I love Mayweather and also um I guess I like I love, I love Trip too, man. I, I like Trip. No matter what you say, Cal, he's awesome. You're a hater. Yeah, come on, man. He hey, we a, can't we can't agree about everything, right? Yes. And maybe I just need to go back and watch more episodes of him. He got the Southern charm, man. What's wrong with you? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> we can't agree about everything, but but seriously, I may need to go back and watch more episodes. Cool, cool, cool. So moving right along. Um, yeah, I guess we didn't talk about plot much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, any wow! It's been forty-five minutes already. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking a while, but I so, mean, go ahead. No, I, I actually have a question about the plot, uh, if you don't mind. Sure. And this is to, to both of you guys. I didn't quite understand what was going on in the room. That was he. Was it some kind of out of sync? Were they out of time? Was it a what was going on with the whole? When when Archer was in the temporal room, yeah. what was that? I mean, you just said it. It was some type of temporal distortion. Ah, um, okay. I don't know if he was going through different time periods, but he was phasing. You know, like, uh, I don't know what's a good example. Um, he was phasing. He wasn't really going to a different time period, but he was kind of just in a mix, so to speak. Got you. So it just made things weird. Because you can see when, they do, when he got shot by the... Uh, the, the uh, pistol that it kind of came very, very slow and he was able to move out the way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it was just like, I don't know if it's slowing down time, but it was just phased out for some reason. Speaking of kind of phasing out, which is tran- the transporter, I thought that was quite interesting that they were literally scared to use the transporter. Yeah. Now that was a future call. Is it a callback if it's in a future timeline it was it was a it was a thing kind of relating to bones because of course he hated transporters from tos but uh <laughs> we do see if you keep watching enterprise we do see where the 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 transporter is explained more you even see the person the guy who created uh the transporter which uh you see him in a future episode and they start using it more to actually you know beam themselves aboard in a way so yeah it's, it's kind of cool to see how that technology kind of progresses as well as the universal translator throughout the series you know and i'll just like go back to say like as far as a prequel this show answered so many things in tying it to the original series it just felt weird having discovery do this kind of slightly do the same thing you know by going back you know it's like we've already done that tie-in why are we doing it again but i don't know why do you think they haven't gone past voyager yet (sighs) It seems to be calculated because they've had two series set before the original series now. So, yeah, well, I think the reason to go back is sort of like the reason 
Oh, well, I was going to give the George Lucas example, but I, I, <laughs> I, I think the reason they're going back is to get those ties with fans who have been there from the beginning. You know, it's like um, to be more relatable to people that have been around for the longest time. And the same thing, I guess, with Star Wars, too. They're going back to explain things that we know to, that came to fruition. And maybe it's easier to, you know not have to tread around stuff that we've done more recently because, you know, maybe those actors aren't available or maybe, um, you know, I think that may be the main reason is actors. So you can go back and have a fresh new start and not really worry about diving through the timelines that you've already had in the future. It gives you a certain amount of freedom, but it also shackles you in a large amount too. So I, I don't know. Well, remember they are about to go into the future. 20 years in the future, yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah, with Jean-Luc. So that should be interesting. Um, we'll see what they do with that. I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing a Star Trek set 75, 150 years or so in the Star Trek universe future. I think that would be cool possibilities because there's so much more that they could do and open up. And, you know, it could literally be another next generation for this generation. <laughs> You know what? I would think that until after seeing Discovery, if, I'm like, man, if they had this technology 10 years before TOS, <laughs> like what would we see freaking past Voyager? Yeah. It's kind of hard to I comprehend. Think, yeah, I think in that way, it kind of doesn't matter where what time period the Star Trek is set in. It's just going to be so far past. I just think it's always weird because, I mean, it's kind of the same disconnect I had with Star Wars because the old Star Wars is dirty and dusty and then the, the the prequels are like all clean and shiny and the ships all look better, but I mean, it's not because of the time period. It's just because you know, Technology. 3D technologies advanced so far. Um, but I think it would be cool if they did. Ho- hopefully they do that with a Picard series. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice to see him in a freaking high production value series. You know, oh, even, yes. if we look back, it you know, TNG looks freaking high production. You know, even going back now for the yeah. 80s, it looks freaking high production. But just to see Picard in something that is, you know, built for today it could be pretty fantastic. Dude, it's like I didn't even watch Star Trek when I was a kid, but I would always sit if the if Next Generation was coming on. I would always sit and watch the intro <laughs> just because it looked so cool, you know, in the end where they're beaming. All, like I just I, even though I wasn't really into sci-fi, really, at that time, it was just it was I just knew it was cool and <laughs> yeah. like watching it. Yeah. The coolest thing about that opening to me, I was sitting here thinking while you were talking, Carrie, was the the scene right at the end where you see the 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 ship basically come out of the screen of your television. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just a little bit more about the episode. They, they get this Klingon who crash landed on earth and this whole Suliban storyline. And they eventually <laughs> steal this Klingon back from the Sulabans and, and take them to, to the Klingon <laughs> home world, Kronos. And we see the, the humans, uh, to the dismay of the Vulcans in, in the, uh, in, 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 in the Klingon council. So, you know, they made big strides in this episode, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so let me ask you guys this. And I've noticed this as we've been going back and reviewing some of these older episodes. At the end of this episode, I had so much joy <laughs> and I felt that exactly zero times in discovery. I don't, what? 
hard to explain. Well, I, I, no, I, I get what you're saying though. There's a feel good moment with him and his dad and the yeah, the whimsy the helicopter of, thing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I get, I can, I can see that of having completed their mission and now they're we're not going back home. We that's a little out of the way in my cowboy voice, and um, they're gonna search the stars and just that feeling is was hard to come by in Star Trek Discovery. It's just hard to it's come funny. by. It's funny that a show titled Discovery didn't really have that much discovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that you mentioned, I've never thought about that, but since you just, you know, now that you mentioned it, I mean, they really didn't do a whole lot of discovery. And, and, and then it's just that feeling you get from a feel good episode. I know we talked about it before, but, you know, being a longer connective tissue story that you have in Discovery, you don't have these vignettes of, of this feeling of joy after each episode because we're in it for the long game. You know, you get that after the season is over, uh, but you know, you're in it for the long game for the full season. And I kind of get what people are saying about Orville and how you can watch an Orville episode and have that whimsy, that joy by the end of the episode. Cause that's the end of the story, you know, you little dopamine hit. What you saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what I got from this episode, man. I was, I was cheesing at the end of the episode, as, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. See, see, what's weird <laughs> is I was about to say, you know, I was, I was sitting here looking at how many episodes, you know, twenty-two episodes, twenty-six. I mean, twenty, twenty-six episodes, first season, twenty-six, second, twenty-four, third, twenty-two, the fourth, and you know, I'm just thinking about how TV was done then and i was about to say well you know back then it was a different style of television and that was part of the way television was told then but then you brought up the orville and that kind of shot it out of the water because that's what the orville is doing now yeah well i mean yeah that and like i mean with discovery was a bit different i feel like because Mainly because, like, with these shows, and even now to a certain extent, you know, you kind of have to make things self-contained because you're kind of – you're taking a risk, especially on broadcast television, yeah. if yeah. you're trying to play this long narrative and then, oh, your ratings tanked, you're canceled, and, you know, that's it. You know, so makes sense. And that's – yeah, that's a good point, Carrie. It's the medium. It's the medium. You, If you're on Star, CBS All Access and Star Trek Discovery, you can have a storyline that goes through, you know, the full season – and, you know, they didn't release them all at the same time, but, you know, you can have kind of that connective tissue. Whereas, you know, like you said, with broadcast, you, you kind of go be in and out. Um, so I don't know. A few other takeaways from the episode I wanted to mention. Uh, did Rigel 10 feel like Mose Eisley to you guys a little bit? It's like they it were did. going for that Star Wars vibe. It did, uh, man. Especially the. The, for lack of a better word, the strip club scene, like that was, yeah. it felt like that was like totally just yanked out of Star Wars. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Oh, yeah. And I love the, the whole fish out of water aspect for the humans being over there on, um, on Rigel 10. And, and other than, than, uh, Mayweather, most of them was pretty much just scared for the life. <laughs> and Cal, you mentioned <laughs> Trip and the boy being weaned off the, uh, respirator. Uh, so yeah, that that was a good thing to see, and you know, like you mentioned before, Cal, like to Paul being in her element and having to kind of uh, lead everybody else on and try to try to usher them into this whole new world they have never experienced. One True. thing I will say though that I didn't particularly well, I'm not gonna say I didn't enjoy it. I just I laughed and it wasn't really. I don't think it was supposed to be funny. It was when Reed was like, "I've never seen lightning in a snowstorm before." <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, that was funny. That was pretty funny. Oh yeah, I think we pretty much wrapped this one up. Um Oh yeah, one more honorable mention. I loved how when T'Pol was kind of fussing at Archer and Trip about, you know, they're Neanderthal humans and and, <laughs> and, 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 and Trip made the statement, which I was thinking like, if we could do these things, wouldn't the world be such a better place? So he mentions the statement of we eradicated war, disease and hunger in two generations. And if that's not something that's hopeful from Star Trek to aspire to, you know, what is? Agreed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're wrapping up this review, guys. If you're listening and have thoughts uh, about how we botched this review and didn't mention things you wanted to, (laughs) (laughs) or you have, you know, you think uh, Clarence was totally wrong or Kyle Carey was totally wrong, please uh, send an email to fans at discussingtrek.com. So, guys, uh, we'll go around the horn. Guys, what have you been working on, podcast related or otherwise? I'll start with this person I started with up top, Carey. What's up, man? Um,. I'm not really working on a whole lot right now. Uh, just, you know, check out Techpedition, techpedition.com, or if you have Facebook or Twitter or any of that other stuff where I think we're on everything. So check us out. We'll, we have pretty good tech discussions. Um, sometimes we venture off into other areas. Like I think the last episode we talked about a bunch of movie trailers, I think. Um, so, you know, yeah, check us out. All right. And Cal Jones, what about you, man? All right. Well, anybody listening, uh, you can also check Clarence and I out on our YouTube channel, which can be found at youtube.com slash discussing network. We do uh, comic books. We uh, have some Doctor Who videos up. So just a little bit of everything. And we've talked about some trailers on there, too. So uh, check it out. And, you know, if you would be so inclined, also subscribe. Yeah, and I'll say, guys, uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well as checking out my friend and co-host Lee Shockford's serial Relatively Podcast, which you can find at RelativelyPodcast.com. And uh, guys, yeah, I think that's it for this episode. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.